This episode is brought to you by Randy Crane from Mousier Vacations. Randy is the answer to all your vacation needs. Visit Randy today at randyc.mouseearvacations.com. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Welcome to Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast, episode 112. For June 14th, 2015. Happy summer! Yay! <laughs> or not so yay. Well, it's not officially summer yet, but it sure feels like it. Yes, it does. The temperatures are soaring. They are, and tomorrow's, I believe tomorrow, is the first day of monsoon season. Oh, oh, well, happy monsoon season. Thank you. Happy monsoon season to you. Thank you. I'm sorry, but I, I didn't get your annual your annual uh, monsoon season day gift. Like my dust mask. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to need a dust mask. I know. So I still have this cough, so um, hopefully I won't cough through the episode. But if I do, um, please forgive me. I'll try to move away from the microphone. She's had this cough since April. I have, and many, many doctor's visits, and they still don't know why. But we're still trying to figure it out. So I think it's the the alien. I I think it's the alien tracking device. Maybe. Other than my cough, I feel fine, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just the weirdest thing. Just a, just a lingering cough due to cold, like Forrest Gump would say. You have a cough due to cold. Yeah, you know, it's really weird because I have asthma, but I haven't really had any asthma attacks. But one of the things that the doctor told me is there's like this form of asthma that you don't really hear about very often, and you don't have like the shortness of breath or anything like that. You just have, like, I don't even know how to explain it. But yeah, just a, just a. An irritation an, in your a non-productive bronchial. cough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, didn't he call it like bronchial asthma or something like that? No. I don't know. What I don't know what it. he called it. But it's weird. It's just it's just the weirdest thing. I know. And if I talk too much, I cough. So. Yeah. 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 So that's terrible. <coughs> are you? <coughs> See. <coughs> Sorry. Are you being serious? That it's terrible that. I <laughs> yes, can't I'm talk being to serious. <laughs> I thought maybe you didn't like no. me talking. <laughs> I love to hear you talk. Aww. Yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, like we said, the the temperatures. Now, this is the weirdest thing. Okay, if anybody's familiar with, like, the the desert southwest area of the United States, you know it gets hot during summertime. But usually what we do is, like, around March, April, it's May. No, probably April. April and May. It starts to slowly get warmer. Like, one day it'll be 70. The next day it'll be, you know, maybe 75 and work its way up until we get to June when it's finally in the hundreds, but the low hundreds, right? Mid hundreds? Well, we went from... Oh, see, there goes Kate. Um, Kate's trying to dig herself into the ground so she can cool off. But anyway, (laughs) um, uh, we we had cold weather, Mm -hmm. and then we had hot weather. You know, in the 90s, we even had... Didn't we have like one 100-degree temperature day? Yeah. And then it got cool again back in the 70s. This week... 110 and 111, possibly 112. Yes, and I'm not ready for it. Just kind of boom, boom, boom. There's there. This has been the weirdest weather all over the world. I know. And the poor people down in Texas. Yep. Getting all that freaking rain. My friend uh, Philip uh, Mather. He's a he's a fellow voice guy. Um, he's been telling telling me about all the rain they they've been getting, and it's just really bad. And I think, uh, I think like up in the Pacific Northwest, where it's usually raining all the time, our good friend Rick Moyer said it's been beautiful. I know. It's just crazy. Yeah. Things are shifting. Yep. Well, speaking of things shifting, so what's new in your world? Oh, not much. Not much? No, I haven't really been doing a whole lot of anything other than going to work and... Yeah. Yeah. And we did go to Comic-Con. Yes, we did. And because it was our first visit to Comic-Con, I didn't really know like <laughs> what to expect. Um, it was okay. Mm. I mean, there were parts of it that were really fun. Yeah. Um, the zombie eating. Yeah. Thing, yeah. The brain eating contest. The brain eating contest. Um, I liked that. I liked the panels that we went to on mm. Friday. Um, uh, Friday. No. No, Saturday. 
You talking about the the big panels? Yeah. That was Saturday. I thought it was Friday. Oh, you're right. You're right. We went Thursday and Friday. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I got so messed up. <laughs> um, but you know, like I said, I'm glad that we got to experience. But I prefer the D23 Expo. Yeah, the D2. Yeah, I mean, mean, if you guys want like um, more in-depth coverage and and uh, to see some of the photos that we took, go go to our blog site, uh, talespodcast.blogspot.com. I wrote a nice, you know, long blog on it there and put some pictures. Um, But you know, like Joyce said, it was it it was it was different than D23. Now we we went to to the expo. We went to the. uh, also went to the D23 uh, Destination. Yeah, Destination D event. And that's kind of what we were used to. I kind of knew that the Comic-Con was going to be a bit on the different side because it's a, you know, it's kind of a different world, but I I don't know. I It wasn't what I thought it was going to no, be. No. No. What did you think it was going to be? I guess I don't really know. Based um, on, you know, like uh, the Big Bang <laughs> Theory and stuff like that, that's what you were expecting? No, I guess I was just expecting it to be... How do I say this? I was expecting... Weirder? No, I was expecting it to be organized in the same manner that D23 is organized, only like on the, the comic book, mm-hmm. um, you know that side of it if if I'm making any sense no not really but how did it how did it differ I there wasn't like everything was so so spread out and and in the way that I'm gonna make this sound like it was a horrible experience and it wasn't but it was hard to to plan out your time mm-hmm. because the program didn't. Okay. It was it was a very poorly laid out uh, program, and, and by program we mean you know the the printed program. Yeah. So, if anyone's been to the D twenty three Expo, you have like on Thursday. Here's everything that's going on. These are the time slots. So, then you know, in room one, this is happening. Room two, three, four, five. You know. Etc. This is what's happening, and you have time slots. Well, because Comic Con is so much bigger than the Expo, they have them broken down by like anime and yeah. So they had them. They had they had the guide broken down uh, more into genre and, and type than they did by room. Yeah. So it was hard to to look at everything that was being offered in the eleven o'clock slot. Because you had to flip through different pages. Yeah, you had to pretty much look through the whole blo- the whole book. Yeah, and even though they had an app, you had to know. <laughs> I don't know. It was just yeah. Weird. They 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 had an app that you can download, but in order to make use of the app, you had to know what where you were going, what time you were going, and where you and you know and and what you were going to see. So it it was like if I knew that, then I don't need the app. Yeah. So maybe <laughs> if you're a veteran, yeah, Comic Con goer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then you know you're used to that, but since it was our first time, I just didn't feel like mm-hmm. I knew exactly what was going on when it was going on. Yeah, we were kind of, we were like, I f- I kind of felt like we were Disney geeks out of place. You know, now okay, now this is gonna be this is gonna sound kind of strange, but uh, a lot of you know that that Joyce and I have Disney tattoos. Now I have a Joyce has the Peace, Love, and Mickey on her on her ankle, and on my calf on my left calf. Calf, I have a huge, you know, Mickey face with Disneyland over it. You know, the word Disneyland over it. And I mean, it's it looks very iconic, like the Disneyland, uh, old Disneyland logo. Well, usually when we go places, you know, people kind of point out our tattoos. Oh, that's so cool. We kind of blended into the scenery here. <laughs> Nobody even mentioned our tattoos. It's, it's like we were just nothings. We were nothing. <laughs> we're Disney, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was fun though. I yeah. mean, it was it was a different experience. It was fun, and we both went into this knowing this is our first Comic Con experience. We're not going to really freak out. We're going to just kind of do go with the flow. Do with you know not any real serious agenda. There were a few panels that I I wanted to see without a doubt, but other than that, um, and you know I wasn't really crazy about the way they handled the people with media credentials like us. Mm-mm. 
I kind of expected like it was at D23. You know, you're granted media coverage, so you kind of got... Special seating and special... Special seating so that, you know, you could cover it adequately, uh, uh, possibly some uh, interview slots, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But at Comic-Con, basically all it was is we're giving you free tickets and that's it. You're just you're just going to have to fight the crowds. And if you have to cover an event from 85 rows in the back, well, so be it. We don't care. That I didn't care for at all. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, that we needed to be treated special, but if you're going to give out media credentials for people to cover your event, you might want to, you know, make it so that they can cover it adequately. Otherwise, you know. Yeah, and you know we're not bashing Comic Con no, at all. No, not at all. Because um, that's probably that might just be the way it is there. Yeah, but you know one thing that we had a lot of firsts. Um, <laughs> Everything was a first. Yeah, but um, they had so it was in downtown Phoenix, and they had one of the streets blocked off because yeah. the convention center um, is. It's, um, Between two major streets, so yeah. they had one of the side streets closed off. Yeah, and the side street that they had closed off, they had food trucks on it. So we also had our first food truck experience. <laughs> well, first uh, new wave type. I've never eaten at a food truck really? before. Yeah. Well, I used to when I was in the army. We used to eat in. We used to call it the gut truck. <laughs> yeah. No, I had never eaten at a food truck before, and it was good. I liked it. It was pricey. This ain't your daddy's. <laughs> yeah. It was pricey. Very but pricey. But it was very good. Yeah. We went. What was it? Uh, it was rocking. No, uh, belly rockers or yeah. belly, belly rockers or something like that. Yeah. And I think the reason that we chose it. Well, the first place we wanted to go to, they ran out of food. The hamburger place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we chose this one um, because they were actually featured on the Food um, Network. Yeah. On the Food Network. So we tried it and it was really good. It was. I mean, <laughs> again, this was, uh, you know, I mentioned this in the blog, but it was good food. It was good food, George. It was really good. They were soft tacos with uh, white meat chicken. It was just oh, yeah. and some kind of aioli. They were, I think the total, each of us got a, a single um, soft taco and it wasn't all that big. You but know. it was filling. Yeah, it was kind of, well, for you maybe. It was filling. <laughs> and some homemade um, tortilla chips and it was 20 bucks. Yeah. But it was good. I would eat there again. I would eat there again too, but I wouldn't make a regular habit of it. No. <laughs> yeah. And you know, there's, there is one thing. Now, again, okay, we're not going to bash Disney. Disney. But when we went to the to the expo, you know, people kind of were a little bit on the nasty side with each other occasionally because, you know, emotions kind of ran high and people were sniping. But at the uh, at the Comic-Con, it seemed to me that everybody was in a good mood and everybody was polite and got along. Yep. You, you know, you see the, the, the cosplay people running around. Even if they were in the middle of a conversation, if you walked up with their with your camera and you were, you know, polite about it, they would they would stop and they would do their pose fitting for whatever character. That was I think that was probably one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah. um, but I would say my favorite cosplay was probably Eric Prince Eric and Ariel. Yeah. Um, that she didn't look real, did she? Mm-mm. She looked like. She looked like an aerial doll. <laughs> yeah, and she had the the fin on, um, mm-hmm. and sitting up was she was on a clamshell, and he was dragging mm-hmm. her around. And he was dragging her around, and they were probably my favorites. Yeah, they were cute. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of uh, Deadpool, a lot of Spider Man, um, and it's funny because there was even now you know I, I play I like to play Call of Duty, the you know the the video game video game Call of Duty. There was even a character, a, a guy, a kid dressed up as Ghost, one of the characters from uh, the Modern Warfare series. Yeah. And I got really excited about it. Oh, yeah, there's Ghost. I know him. Yeah. And I'm going to admit this. And oh. um, I didn't know who 90% of the the cosplay people were. Move closer. Yeah. So I did not know who 90% yeah. of them were. I didn't either. I felt, I felt kind of lost. I mean, we knew... We recognize like Thor and Loki and uh, Spider, you know, the, the main ones. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I feel the same way. I didn't know who a lot of the characters were. I didn't understand it. There were, um, uh, 
there were a group of kids running around with horse head masks on. I don't get that. I don't understand it. Yeah. But didn't you say you saw somebody yeah. at our community park with a horse yeah. head on? Yeah. When I was running the train, um, probably I think it was the weekend after Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, when I was running the tr- driving the train, there were a group of kids that got on the train wearing a horse head mask. I, ju- I just don't get it. I, I, I didn't want to ask them because, you know. You know, <laughs> I just didn't want to look yeah. stupid, but so if anyone can tell us yeah. what that's all about, yeah, tell us if know. you know what the horse head mask is all about, let us know. So yeah, I'd love to um, know. But anyway, yeah, like Joyce said, there were some great panels that we went to. Um, we uh, we saw Jim Beaver. Um, who else? Uh, um, oh, Barry Bostwick. Barry yeah, Bostwick and funny. a couple of the gals from Rocky <clears throat> Horror Picture Show. Excuse they me. were hilarious. Yeah. Barry Boswick's been one of my favorites for a long time, and and, and he was he was pretty funny. Um, and then oh, the one that I was personally waiting for the whole time, uh, Edward James almost mm-hmm. Commander that was a good panel. Adama from yes. Battlestar Galactica, and um, he, and uh, Mary McDonald was on there as McDonald. well. McDonald, yeah, McDonald, McDonald was on there with him too. And it's very, it was very obvious that those two are, are friends. You know, they, they've been friends for a long time and they got along very well. And, um, you know, I'll admit I wasn't really sure what to expect out of these panels. Oh, and uh, Jason Isaacs um, from uh, Harry Potter, <laughs> Lucius Malfoy. I liked that one. He I was liked fun. Edward J. Almost too. But Edward James Almost was good. Yeah, but uh, Jason Isaacs was fun. He talked a lot about, uh, you know, Harry Potter and... You know the filming of Harry Potter. I got some, I got some awesome shots of him. Um, I met a good, you know, I met a well, he's he's a friend now, but I met a guy named Robert Cunningham. This guy is one of the most amazing photographers I have ever seen in my life. Uh, you should Google him. Uh, I think his his website is robertcunningham.com. But um, he he's a professional photographer, and, and I hung out with him a lot up at the stage so you know you know i took some pictures up there and he noted that i was using a uh, a nikon I, I you know i have a nikon d80 and that's what he's using is is nikons and he's got this he's got this lens <laughs> it's a 400 millimeter zoom lens this thing is enormous it is it's probably about three and a half feet long and he had it up on a on a on a stick and everything and he takes his camera off and he goes here use it he put my camera on his lens and I got to snap some shots of Jason Isaacs and it looks like I was, you know, three inches from him taking these pictures. I posted some of those pictures really super close. And it's like, oh my gosh, this was amazing. Yeah. He just seemed like a really nice guy. He was. That, He's a very nice guy. That made friends wherever he went. Yeah. He, he, make, he makes a lot of friends and he travels a lot. He He's, um, he's one of those official photographers for the military as well. I mean, he... He's embedded with um, a lot of the troops uh, over in the Middle East. And in, he used to be the the White House photographer. Yeah, he was a White House photographer for a long time. During and, the Bush administration. Yeah, during the Bush administration. Yeah, and I mean, he's just an amazing guy. But yeah, I mean, we met a lot of good new friends there. Um, I can't remember their names. And oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. But uh, we were sitting behind them uh, for the Jim Beaver um, yes. panel. Uh, oh, I wish I could remember your names. I'm so sorry. But uh, right then and there, you know, they we told them who we were. They went to our Facebook page and I, they liked our Facebook page. Said they would start tuning into the podcast because they love Disney too. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I forgot what your names were. I feel bad. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a good time. Uh, Edward James Almost and and uh, and um, uh, Mary McDonald were very inspirational to everybody. I mean. I loved their philosophy on life and on on acting and basically doing whatever you want to do in life because life is too short. There are no excuses for not doing what you want to do, people. Right. Um, anyway, we should move on. Yes, we should. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, <sighs> my iPhone 6 Plus had a dead pixel in it. So took it to uh, the Apple store at Arrowhead Mall and we met a couple Disney friends, huh? That's right. So... Um, I think it was when we were, co- yes, it was when we were coming back yeah, to pick it to up. Yeah, to pick it up, yeah. Um, so, you know, you have to, anyone that's been to the Apple store knows that you have to, like, check in because it's very organized and structured. Yeah. So we checked in, and the guy that checked us in told us, 
you need to talk to Sam because Sam's a huge Disney fan and he's got this Mickey Mouse tattoo on his calf too. Mm-hmm. So Sam was standing right behind us. So he um, he showed us his his tattoo and it was like just it's a full-size Mickey. It's like a vintage Mickey. Mickey yeah. yeah. Um, so we started talking to him and he and his friends have um, annual passes and they go to Disneyland all the time. So we chatted with him about the 60th anniversary and just other Disney-related yeah. things. And then he told us that, like, half the people, maybe not half the people. <laughs> there are six but, people at, the, at that store that are huge Disney yeah. fans. And we got to meet Sam and then this other girl. And she didn't tell us what her name was. No. So, no. Um, but, but she used to work at Disneyland. She did. And she knows Ragtime Robert. Yeah. Um, she also um, is very very touched by ed that does the um the flag ceremony yeah the security guard uh, mm-hmm. ed who yeah yeah, yeah and, and it, it was it was it was fun to to sit there and chat with them for for a while and uh, and actually she said she's going to disney in september for her birthday mm-hmm. and she uh, agreed to come on our show and chat about uh, all the new shows and stuff so that'll be fun it will be fun yeah. and so in addition to that, um, because we had nearly an hour to um, to kill while we were waiting <laughs> for his phone to be repaired, we went to the Disney store. Oh, yeah. And I've, I mean, we haven't been to the Disney store for maybe a year, um, but this Disney store was so interactive. They have a lot of activities, mm-hmm. and, and maybe all Disney stores do this now, um, but they had a, a calendar with the events and the times and they were doing an inside out activity. You got to watch part of the movie yeah. and then they had, and of course it was geared towards kids, but they also let, you know, adults participate if they wanted to, but it was just really, really cool to have that Disney yeah. magic outside of Disneyland. Yeah. Well, speaking of magic and ragtime, Robert, uh, our good friend Ragtime Robert just recently celebrated 60 years on the bench, the piano bench, I mean, piano bench. And he joined us the other day to chat about his very awesome career. So we'll have that interview to play for you in a little bit. So what's what else is going on? Well, I just wanted to um, to wish everyone a happy... To, not everyone. Okay, <laughs> let me back up a little bit. So next... Next Sunday is Father's Day, and I just wanted to wish a happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Hope you have a great day. Oh, and it's Randy Crane's first uh, Father's Day. Oh, yes, it is. Happy happy first Father's Day, uh, Randy. Yep, so just wanted to wish all the the daddies out there. Yeah. Um, Hope you have lots of, hope your day's filled with lots of love and memories. Yep. Yep. And then I also wanted to give a special shout out to our good Disney friend. Um, we met him through Daps Magic and um, some of you may know him as Francie Fairy, Francis Fairy Feather. Um, but His name's Stephen, yeah. Stephen, yes. But um, he graduated from college this weekend and we're so proud yes, of him. So um, I'm actually stealing this from somebody that posted on his Facebook page, but they posted um, you know, in the words of Walt, all your dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Right. And so I just wanted to um, tell him how proud of him we are and just recognize yep. him. Yep. So congratulations, Stephen. Yep. Coolness. Well, anything else? Nah. You sure? Yeah. Kind of went on long enough. We need to get to Ragtime Robert. That's right. Later. As we mentioned in host chat, our great and very talented friend Ragtime Robert joined us the other day to discuss his very long and amazing career as a musician. He's had some very interesting experience that just about anyone would envy, and yet he remains the most humble and magical person we know. That's right. And over the last nine years, Robert has amazed and brightened the hearts and lives of probably millions of guests from his catbird seat at Coke Corner on Main Street, USA. We know he's brought a great deal of magic into our lives as well. So, without further ado, here's our chat with the incredible ragtime Robert of Disneyland. Enjoy. 
Well, boys and girls, we have a special treat for you on this episode. Our good friend and favorite piano player in the entire world, Ragtime Robert from <laughs> Disneyland, is joining us again to talk about some pretty fun things. Now he's uh, he's celebrating something very special, and uh, he's going to share that information with you. So, welcome to Tales from the Mouse House. Thanks, Al. Hi, Joyce. Hi. Welcome. We're glad to have you back on Thank the show. I'm, I'm very happy to be back. Uh, yeah. It's been way too long since we've chatted with you. <laughs> well, things happen, but here we are, so we should make up for it. Yes, we yes. should. <laughs> so, as Al kind of um, hinted to, you've recently celebrated 60 years on the bench. Um, so, what are some of your favorite or most memorable moments let me explain first to your guests that 60 years on the bench doesn't mean I'm 120 years old. Um, <laughs> almost, but not quite. I started lessons at the age of four. Uh, I turned 64 in May, so the 60 years on the bench, counting that very first time I sat down with colored dots on a page and colored <laughs> dots on the keys with my mother having me match the colors to make music. Both mom and grandma played. Dad played the trumpet. Uh, and violin, and there was just music, and I wanted to be a part of it, even at four. And I just stayed with it for 60 years now. Um, some of the most memorable moments, uh, the very first recital at eight, uh, the teachers in Whittier had a music teachers association, and they all trotted out their most promising students. And I happened to be one of the ones of my teacher, and it was the scariest thing I'd ever done in my little <laughs> eight years. Uh, but I won. And I, I found the certificate. Mom had kept the certificate all this year, so when we were going through Mom and Dad's stuff last year after Pop passed away, uh, there buried in a pile of stuff was that recital uh, certificate. So if that was a treasure to find, I'll tell you. That's really cool. I even kind of got nervous reading it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did something Mozart, that I remember too. You know, you had to stand there in your Sunday suit and face a panel of unsmiling judges. There was no one else in the room, no audience, just the, just the five other teachers or whatever they were. Bow to them and tell them what you were going to play and then sit down and play. And your feet barely reached the pedals at that <laughs> point. So, um, The very first playing job, um, I actually was still in high school and needed to get a work permit. Uh, <laughs> And started playing. I, I wrote down Shakey's, but it actually was uh, a local ice cream parlor, uh, that family-run ice cream parlor. And then uh, from that, I went to Shakey's. So those are my first ragtime jobs. I remember uh, at, Shakey's Pizza. Yeah. I remember Shakey's, too. Um, I grew up in Indiana, and then I had cousins that lived in Texas, and we used to visit Texas a lot. But we went to Shakey's. I remember, I have memories more of Indiana and the piano was right by the little um, platform, if you will, where you could watch them make pizzas in the window. And that used uh, to be like my favorite place to go. Yeah, no, we had great fun there. Um, I worked with a banjo player for a good number of years and we had a projector so we could project songs up there like follow the bouncing ball kind of oh, thing yeah. or we would we had we had slides and i don't know if any of your guests even know what a slide <laughs> is but we we had prepared some slides of funny things that we we could project up there during different numbers that we were playing and and uh, we just it was a great place to have fun but little by little they all started dropping piano uh, and I made that's why I made my move from uh, ragtime into piano bar uh, working at uh, Northwoods Inns, it's a chain of restaurants here in California. I worked worked at, with them for uh, quite a while, and start. That's when I started learning Gershwin and Cole Porter, and 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 expanding on the repertoire that I knew coming out of Ragtime. Um, I had the opportunity to play Hello Dolly for Carol Channing at a benefit one time. Oh my gosh. Uh, and considering she was one one of the very first, uh, it was Music Man and Hello Dolly were the first two musicals I got introduced to and having followed her career my entire life, it was just such an amazing thrill. And she was wearing, for that benefit, she was wearing the um, sparkly diamond dress <laughs> that she that she sang uh, Diamonds Are a Girl's Best yeah. Friend in. So that was, that was an amazing 
uh, memorable moment. I mean, there, there are so many. Uh, when I was living in San Francisco, I was invited to perform at the uh, Richmond Ermit AIDS Foundation benefits. Not on stage. I got to play at the dessert parties afterwards. Everybody oh would pay gosh. extra money to schmooze with the stars. and I got to play for that. That's cool. So that's how I got to play uh, for Carol Channing. But I met pretty much every star I've ever wanted to meet. Rod Stewart um, asked me if I knew how to play. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, he asked me if I knew how to play It Had to Be You because he had just done that 40s album. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just stuff like that. No, no pictures. I mean, it's just memories that I have <laughs> in my head. Um, Those are the best pictures. They are. They are. In my late 20s, I was audacious enough to think I could go to Las Vegas and meet Liberace and get into his show. <laughs> I worked six months on a CD that I hoped would impress him. I got to Vegas. I went to the uh, museum, the uh, antique store that was run there, and met the met the gentlemen that were there. They asked why I was in town. They listened to my tape. They asked me if I was going to the show that evening. They loved the tape. Said they would give a copy of it to Lee, as they called him. <laughs> Uh, went to the show that night, tipped really big so I could be right up front at a certain angle and watch him play the piano, watch his hands and mm. his feet. Um, afterwards, I'm standing there just kind of going, well, what do I do now? And this hand comes out of the stage door and then a head, and it was one of the boys, their names were Bob and Fred, waving me backstage. So, And there I was, um, backstage in the dressing room with Liberace. And, oh, my uh, gosh. It was... I, uh, I mean, it was like everything I had achieved, wanted to do when I got there. He loved my music, but expressed that I didn't, he didn't think I wanted to be a little carbon copy of anybody, that I should just pursue my career, <laughs> which may have been the nicest brush off ever, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and then and that's what I did. And that's where I am today. But I was allowed to go backstage. I, I went to visit him every time he was in Vegas for the next seven years. And oftentimes, because he was beginning to get ill, um, I'd be the only person they let go back there because he knew we would just sit and talk. I was, you know, There was no fan pressure or right. anything like that. Just, just a nice... He was the sweetest man. He, he, just really the nicest guy. Although, having dinner at his restaurant, and then he comes out and sits down and drinks, you know, orders a champagne cocktail and sits here with you. It's like, <laughs> oh, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, I ran a series of talent shows, I guess you would call them, uh, cabaret shows at uh, a place in uh, Hollywood called the Gardenia Room. And I would take talent that I'd heard at open mics. Now, an open mic is where you go with your material handed to the piano player, and when it's your turn, you get to get up and sing a number in front of the audience. Mm -hmm. um, and I would mix new talent with established cabaret talent in a show I called Upstage This. <laughs> um, and I ran that all summer. And some of those people that I introduced, and Al, you will probably, and maybe even Joyce, you will understand this, that you introduce somebody brand new, and backstage, some of the other stars are going, why did you ever let that person in this show? <laughs> what do you see in that? They, they can't sing, they can't play, they can't. Well, some of those can't sings and can't plays, it's sort of like the uh, Major Bose and Elvis story, uh, have had quite the fabulous cabaret careers <laughs> because just because they can't sing doesn't mean they can't tell a story. That's right. Uh, some of our greatest folk song people, the greatest in the world, can't sing worth poop, but they can tell a story. <laughs> you know, yeah. they write they write those poems and put them to music, and who cares if they can't sing them right? They sure get the message across. That's so, right, and that's what's important. It is. It, it, well, that's what I learned early on. A gentleman told me early on when I was sweating over hitting the right note when I had to start singing. And he said, he, basically, he said, you know, forget the notes. He goes, those notes are going to come. He said, look at the song and figure out what it means to you and tell the audience a story. They will forgive you anything if you tell them a good story. And Mr. Mr. Al, you are a storyteller. So you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying. I sure do. Yeah, and everyone deserves a chance, and, you know, sometimes they might have a rough start, but they are that, you know, diamond just waiting to shine. But if somebody doesn't give them a chance, right? somebody mm -hmm. has to give them that opportunity, and for whatever reason, I seem to have a good feel for raw talent. 
Um, let me see here. Oh, uh, I came home from work one day and my voice uh, ID thingy on the phone. Oh, you know, caller ID. Caller yeah. ID thingy said Julie Newmar had called me. <laughs> Now cat most woman. everybody knows most everybody knows Julie Newmar as the cat woman. Yes. But she had an amazing career and still performs once in a while. She was in one of the latest uh Batman get togethers from the T V series, uh still still performing. And I got to go play for her birthday. Amazing. So I mean this just Julie Newmar called my phone. I get to go play for her birthday. This is <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and then I got to kiss her on the cheek and tell her what a wonderful how much I have enjoyed her career and her performance as it was there's a memory for you. No kidding. So I have a question for you. How many times did you listen to her voicemail? <laughs> um I don't think I've erased it. <laughs> there there's there's one other one I haven't erased. Uh and that would be the one that says, uh, hey, 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 Robert, this is uh, Stan Freeze from Disneyland. I want to offer you a job. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, yes. It's been on my voicemail for nine years. Oh, my gosh. Well, well, speaking of Disneyland, you began bringing your magic to guests at Disneyland uh, back in May of 2006. It was. What drew you to share your talents and your passion with guests of Disneyland? Well, uh, Rod Miller had been there 37 years. I knew Rod 37 years ago. <laughs> we were <laughs> we were both young and working uh, at Shakey's. Uh, there was a gentleman at the time that owned seven different parlors, and Rod and I both worked for him. So I knew Rod before the Disney years. Uh, when he got the job at Disneyland, I got moved up to the, uh, it was on a harbor no, uh, Whittier Boulevard and Beach Boulevard, corner of Whittier and Beach in, in, in uh, our, my area here, the hottest shakies in Southern California. <laughs> and I got that spot when he went to Disneyland. I also was the first person that Rod brought into Disneyland to do four-handed piano with. Ah. So um, there was all of that uh, in, in the history of, of Disneyland. I'd always wanted to work there. And Rod always said, oh, no, you don't. Oh, you don't, you don't want to work here. It's terrible. You don't want to work here. Well, yeah. He just wanted to keep that kingpin spot for 37 years. So, <laughs> so the opportunity, when the opportunity for an open audition, which Disney had never done before, came up, um, there's a lady named Jamie Shaheen who works at the hotel. She and I were also playing at the same piano bar in Palm Springs, and she said they were having an open audition. And I said, I, well, yeah, so? She said, well, you need to go do it. And I said, I don't do ragtime anymore. And she said, I've heard you. And I said, well, you've heard me do Maple Leaf Rag or this and that. She goes, no, 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 you have to go. Well, it was my 55th birthday. And I thought, what the heck? I dressed up in a costume that befitted the uh, period. And went down to an open audition with 80-some-odd other people. <laughs> 80, I'd never done that kind of an audition before, ever. Never been in a cattle call. All of my actress and actors and dancer and singer friends had, but not me. I usually went into a restaurant, something in the middle of the afternoon. You played for the bar owner or the bar manager or whatever. I like you, kid. You start Saturday, yeah. you know. <laughs> so this is an experience. Um, they asked who wanted to go first. I raised my hand. Michael, who now works at the, uh, he's left Cold Corner for the uh, Golden Horseshoe. But I raised my hand. Michael raised his hand. And Patrick raised his hand. Out of 80 people, three of us said we would go first. <laughs> now, that's not the only reason we got hired, but you have to be out front for that job. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yes. So um, that, that's, that's how I got in there. I, I was thrilled i mean it's just it, it's a dream job for me a, a job i never thought i would get and it was perfect timing because i'm get, i'm getting older and the drives to and from uh, the cabaret places they, they were well a lot of it was in and out of palm springs they have more piano bars in palm springs than they do in los angeles i'm not even sure la has one anymore <laughs> yeah uh so my biggest concern about going there was whether i could tame down 37 years of adult material <laughs> but then you get out there and you look at your first kid smiling up at you and you don't have to worry about it all the all all of that goes away and you play exactly what they want to hear so yeah well wow, that's that's amazingly magical yes <laughs> oh the whole very... business of working there you see talents and passion the 
the passion really comes from the guests. We, I think I mentioned that to you before, and I'll probably mention it again. It's, it's the guests. Yes. People like yourselves. And, and uh, that's, that gives you the passion. Yes, and I still remember the first time that um, that we heard you playing. We were just, you know, as we always do, just rushing from one place to the next. And we approached Coke Corner and we saw, um, you know, like a crowd of people. And then we heard you playing and we slowed down and sat and watched you and that was just the beginning of um of our love for for your playing and for you yes well thank you and you know and i should add to that most the most memorable moments sitting at the piano at coke corner is is a catbird seat you see everything because your view is the entire the castle uh tomorrowland to the right adventureland and frontierland to the left and i just for me the little moments that people don't really know i have is when people are walking by because you know as well as i do there are millions of guests going in and out of there most of them just walk right by you mm-hmm. but it's when they don't even look at you but as they're walking away towards the castle or towards one of the other lands they're dancing <laughs> or they're snapping their fingers or the boy will grab the girl and they'll do a little twirl to the music that you're playing and that is so incredible yeah. that you got them whether they sat with you or not you got them yes you know you, 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 they, you your music touched them in that moment and it's amazing yeah and you know as most of us that love Disneyland know um, you know quoting Walt Disneyland will never be complete so in 2012 um there was a renovation at Coke Corner on Main Street, USA. And during the renovation, um, as some of you may know, um, Ragtime Robert, you were playing on the Mark Twain Riverboat. I so, was. So on the Mark Twain, of course, guests are limited to the length of the ride to enjoy your set, as opposed to Coke, to Coke Corner where, you know, they can stay as long as they want. So which did you prefer did you prefer playing on the Mark Twain or do you like Coke Corner better? So I have to tell you, I thought about that one um, because it's a tough one. There are, there are good things about both. Each one has its virtues. Um, at Coke Corner, you have their attention for as long as they're eating their food, as long as they want to stay. You mm-hmm. can, you, you directly interact. You have time for children to play songs. Um, I could do a little bit of that on the Mark Twain, but by the time I, a child came up and played a song, we were halfway around the river and, and getting ready to head back into the dock. Um, so I love the openness of Coke Corner. However, for the Mark Twain, it was great fun for me to research and learn new material so that I uh, provided or did did my best to fit music into the portion of the ride that we were doing. So when we, when we went by New Orleans, I would do some kind of New Orleans jazz song, oh. which led right into the Haunted Mansion, mm-hmm. which which would lead into Shenandoah as we came around the Indian bend of the, of, of the river. Um, I forget what else I might have fitted in there, but then as we came around to the end, I would normally come around the end of the ride because they, they turned off the, obviously turned off the uh, speech and we were the oh, only, inter- you know, we were the only entertainment for that those rides that we were performing on. There was no back speech. I would do uh, waiting for the Robert E. Lee as mm. we headed into the dock, and then slow down and slow down and slow down as the boat slowed down, and the song would end as we bumped into the dock for the first time. That it, so it was great fun for me to try and time my music to the various lands and pick songs that were appropriate to the various lands. So best for me is if we could do both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. One day at Coke Corner, one day on the Mark Twain. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and and I'm sad that we missed that. I am too. Well, there's a lot of video of it, and it, and the video was it, it, very dizzy making. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to watch I, it. First time, yeah, first time I watched one of the videos, like whoa, you know. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's not like riding the teacups, I'll be fine. No, it's not like riding the teacups, but it, it was interesting to be moving while you were performing. <laughs> yes. So were there any other locations within the park that you played, like the Golden Horseshoe or anything like that? Yes. Mm. Um, the Golden Horseshoe. 
uh, Eric and I and Michael were all trained to um, do the uh, uh, laughing stock shows, the little vignettes mm-hmm. that they do with uh, uh, the sheriff and, 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 and his daughter and, the, and all of that and pulling people out of the audiences. But there were some instances when we were on the Mark Twain where it, the boat would be down for one reason or another, wasn't operating. And Coke Corner wasn't open. So on those days, Robert got the stage to the Golden Horseshoe <laughs> all to himself in between uh, the hillbillies. <sighs> so some of the other boys just went out there and played for 20 minutes or whatever it was. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> First time they told me I was going to do that, I sat backstage and wrote out four shows. When I say shows, little vignette shows where I could talk to the audience. I had songs. I, the, I just I've done shows for so long. It was so easy to do. So I actually went out and did a show, got the audiences involved, did some of the melodrama stuff about anybody having a birthday. You know, oh, you're from Alabama. I'm from Alabama. You know that kind. Of- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, and then I, I've also been able to play with the uh, Hook and Ladder. Uh, oh, very cool company. Uh, as a pianist up there. So, yes. Yes. You just, hopefully this won't embarrass you, but you just bring so much magic to so many different people's lives. And, I mean, you have really, really touched our lives. Well, thanks. You guys have touched mine too. And, and, (laughs) And again, I'm going to say it again. The magic goes both ways. (laughs) Because there's a lot of magic that comes to me. Um, The the, the interaction with the children can be absolutely priceless. I mean, our, our, our link letter... And his uh, children say the darndest thing show. It's absolutely correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of magic through through music, you've performed so many different songs at Disneyland. What's your favorite song to perform? Right at the moment, uh, if somebody says, play your favorite song for me, it will be my train medley. Oh, I love that. And you know, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pause us for a second here and let you know something. <laughs> yes. And and my guests too. You know, all of our guests out there. If you if you live in the area, you should come and visit me. I drive uh, on weekends occasionally in, in our little community. I drive a small train. Um, I've, seen, I've seen the pictures. <laughs> yeah, and it's so cool. And when I started, when I took over driving that train, I brought my music with me, which includes music from Disneyland and. A lot of your music. Oh, and nice. <laughs> some of the music, some of the most uh, popular music that's that's being played there is your stuff, including I, the train medley. I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, okay. In, in addition to that, this 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 again, this is so cool. And most guests, I don't know if I don't know if they tell them this or not, um, but at Christmas time or Halloween time and Christmas time when they do the. Uh, the the tours the mm-hmm. guided tours last year when they went down Main Street it was my Christmas uh, no place <laughs> like home for the holidays that they heard in their headsets oh very cool oh. this year they have expanded it and it will be my haunted uh, haunted oh, the haunted mansion medley the, yeah the yeah the Christmas haunted mansion yeah. the haunted Christmas yes <gasps> that they'll hear when they're going through New Orleans I am so happy about that and it's just, it's an unsung thing you know but it makes me so happy that this whole side of guest relations wants two of my music pieces in their special tour so i'm really happy about that that's awesome that is very awesome but the the train medley is just so much fun and it's one of those that no matter whether you've not gotten an ounce of attention from the entire corner while you've been there and sometimes that happens and they're all their guests are all busy with their own stuff uh that usually gets somebody's attention because it's pretty powerful it is <laughs> And I did it at my show, the 60 Years on the Bench show, so it should be on video. And you guys, of course, will get the link when that when that gets up and posted. I Very did it. cool. It was at my show. So, uh, Other than the train medley, I, I, I really love the various Disney medleys that I put together. Uh, and a lot of times I put them together based on who's in the audience. If it's, a, if it's adults out there, that will be more of the older Disney songs. If it's kids, it'll be more of the newer Disney songs mixed, and both of them mixed, but predominantly the Ariels and the Aladdins and the stuff for the young kids and uh, the Cinderella's and Sleeping Beauties and, <laughs> and Pinocchio's for the older guests. So, Yeah. That's just, I don't know. I'm just speechless. It's just so, so amazing. And, I mean, you're just 
so talented and just, you know, um, gear things to the audience. And I think that's what attracts everyone to to sit and, and listen to you perform. It's it's so much fun. Doesn't give me much ride, uh, much time to ride any of the attractions, though. <laughs> yeah. So if you do get some some time to just be a guest and enjoy the Disneyland Resort, what's your favorite attraction? When see now, I've been going there since 1955, the year that they opened. Jealous. <laughs> it was Casey Jr. and the Astro Jets when they were put in. Love the Astro Jets. <laughs> I know it's the same thing as, as Dumbo, but not for a boy. Yeah. Dumbo was for my sister. Astro Jets were for me. And then they put them up high for a period of time in tomorrow. I loved that. Um, but if I could go into the park, which is basically what you're asking, and do one ride, mm-hmm. it would be Space Mountain. Oh. Oh, Still my boy. favorite. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna have to ride Space Mountain together sometime. That's my all-time favorite. Yeah, because Joyce needs there. somebody to ride it with because oh, I can't ride it. You can't ride it? Okay, no. we'll have to figure that out. <laughs> yes, I'll play for you. Okay, oh, there you go. <laughs> of course, you might not have a job when you come back. But. Yeah, <laughs> we'll try and fit <laughs> it into me, that sorry. hour break they've given us right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, we'll, send, we'll send Joyce over to get the fast passes in the morning. Hey, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Are you up for that, Joyce? Yes, good, most definitely. <laughs> So what's your favorite season to perform at Disneyland? Well, there is no bad season to perform. You know that. Oh, yeah. Um, Christmas. Yes. I remember we saw you uh, at least a few <laughs> Christmas seasons playing. And, and and matter of fact, I think, Joyce, wasn't that the first time we saw? I right think so. Robert? It was, was during it a, the Christmas. Was it Christmas time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's when we fell in love with your music. And it's just like, yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. Why is it your favorite season? Well, number one, I I, I like Christmas songs. Mm-hmm. I don't always like starting them quite as early as we start our season, but that's okay. <laughs> um, and there is no more magical t- part of the park than Christmas time and Christmas time at night. Yeah. Uh, now, having said that. You guys haven't been to the new celebrations of the 60th birthday, so yeah. I may have to I may have to put a 50-50 tie in there for the new celebration because it's pretty spectacular. But every you know Christmas time, everybody's dressed up. They're in a good mood. They want to hear the songs that you're playing. They want to hear more of the songs that you're playing. The lights are twinkling. The castle is covered with icicles. I mean, it's just it's just the most magical. I agree. It's very magical. So. Is there anything else that you want to share with the Tales family? Maybe something to plug or, you know, anything. Well, I just had the show. I, I don't have anything new to plug. I do have a CD uh, that's in the park as well, I think, as well as available at Amazon.com and, and, and my own website called, uh, and all you have to do is Google Main Street Music Magic. Hmm. And it'll it'll it comes up all over the place, so uh, that would that would be my CD. <sighs> you know, the, the best part of being in the Disney family and working at the corner, and I I did say I would mention this again, is the guest interaction. Mm-hmm. And in the news late, of course, has been a lot of stuff about special needs people being unhappy with the new this and the new that and blah blah blah. But the special needs guests of any age are the most amazing guests. Um, everybody's wonderful, but it is just it touches your heart when somebody who doesn't speak generally will talk to you. And then the family goes, oh my God, did, did he or she say something to you? They don't talk to anybody. Uh, when they come back and the parents tell you the first place they wanted to come was to see you. Uh, when those that are a little more self-reliant contact you on Facebook and become your Facebook friends and chat with you. Um, it's true of all of our guests, but there's just something. These people are not all, they're just not always treated the way they should be treated. And it is so heartwarming to have them in a place where they're just as magical as everybody else. Yeah. So that's, that's one of my, going back up to the first question, one of my most memorable moments, one of the best things about working there is the guest interaction and the, the, the magic 
that can be given back to the performers by the guests. That, that's got to be just, if not validation for what you're doing, it's, it's got to be the most heartwarming thing in the world. Well, that's what it is. It, it isn't a matter of being validated. It's just a matter of the fact that that something that you're doing has touched you or a special needs person or a child or anybody in a way that no one else has touched them. It's yeah. my music. Nobody else plays the way I play. So if they like what I'm doing, it's completely and totally uniquely me because I make up everything that I do. And it's, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know that, uh, you know, like Joyce and I have said this and shared this so many times, but, you know, you've touched us with, with your music. I mean, not not just because, you know, you're a great piano player and, and the music that you play, I, I just love, but because you're a great person. You're such a sweet person. And well, thank you, Al. <laughs> and Joyce and I have, you know, we, we've mentioned this uh, before uh, to each other, but... Um, I, I had a, I had an uncle. He was my, my, my father's brother, and Joyce and I were very, very close to him. He, he played, you know, he played the organ, and he loved ragtime music. He loved the type of music that you play, and, and I just keep thinking that, you know, he would have loved to, to hear you play. He passed away a, a few years back, but um, he would have loved to hear you play, and every time I hear your music, it kind of connects me to him a little bit more. Well, now, see, thank you, and... That, that's another aspect of this is the people that stop by, the young, younger people that stop by and give you, or walk by and give you the thumbs up. And then later on, they'll come back and talk to you and you find out that they love your music, even though there's no possible way they could know <laughs> Chattanooga Choo Choo. You wouldn't think. But their grandmother or their grandfather or their uncle played this kind of music or loved this kind of music. Um, yeah. Or they're, they're trying to learn it because of that. Um, and that's another aspect of it, to, to know that, that the young kids today, and that's, yeah, that's the other thing. Young kids today, tattooed, nose piercings, <laughs> 95 rings around their eyebrows, and they walk by you, give you thumbs up and a big smile and applaud you. So I have hope for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And earlier you had mentioned that, um, you know, sometimes young children will come and, you know, they'll show an interest in um have you ever, like, do they sit at the piano and play with you? And then years later, do you ever see them again and find out that they've made a career out of this? Well, I haven't been at Disneyland long enough for any of them to make a career out of it okay. yet um, <laughs> in that regard. But I do, they do come back. Uh, parents will come back and tell me that, that a child who was not playing before has started taking lessons when they got home. Yeah. And they then they will play for me. Uh, children that were taking lessons and not very willing to do so were inspired and really fired up and started playing better and they will come back in and play for me um uh, so yes i i'm sure for rod who was there for 37 years and now the grandchildren of people that he, <laughs> he, he played for coming in and wondering if he's still there because they heard him as a baby um it's true i i have in my life not just at disneyland but yes i've had uh, some moments like that. I had one young lady that I gave lessons to when she was uh, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. Uh, and she had been, she was, a, uh, what do we used to call it? Her parents were rather old when she was born. Mm. So her, she was an aunt and uncle of people way older than she was. <laughs> <laughs> and she was a little dowdy and a little heavy and wore glasses and braces, all those things that boys pick on a girl when they're in high school with no concept of how beautiful they're going to be when they grow up and lose their baby fat and lose those braces and wear contacts. Um, and that's what happened. She, this absolutely gorgeous young girl came in. She was always a pretty girl, beautiful eyes, very talented. But I was working at one of the pizza parlors and this very pretty young lady came up and tapped me on the shoulder and asked if I remembered her. And I'm going... No, I, not offhand. And she told me, Valerie, I should take lessons from you. She had started ice skating. Mm. And ice skating did wonders for her. <laughs> <laughs> and there she was. So she had continued with her music and was playing in the school band and getting ready to audition for the college orchestra. And she, she was just absolutely gorgeous. So, yes, those, those things warm your heart also. But the number of people that have told me their children have been inspired uh, is 
every one of them is just a unique little place in my heart now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of, of, of people playing, you know, with the piano with you, uh, you have a special little surprise for them, don't you? Oh, I do. Uh, I do. Uh, Disney was kind enough to realize that this was an integral part of playing at Coke Corner, having people come up and join you. And they created a very special red and white, the the Coca-Cola colors. Um, It's not a name tag. I'm having trouble thinking of the correct word, but uh, like a little certificate. And when somebody plays for you, you add their name. There's a place to add their name. So little Johnny tickle to the ivories with ragtime and then you fill in your name in my case ragtime robert and they can keep it they can slap it peel it back off and slap it on their t-shirt sometimes mm-hmm. i've given two away one for them to wear one for the mama to put in the baby book when she got home <laughs> <laughs> um and and when you're talking about coming back then i have the kids that come back uh a year later two years later six months later and they're gonna they've gone home and practiced something to play for you and want to know if they're going to get another sticker so <laughs> it's a really good inducement yeah I think I think you just inspired Joyce to to take up piano again. I know. Well, I've always you know. wanted to learn how to play the piano. So when we move to California, um, I'm going to have to maybe take piano lessons from you and then sit on the bench with you and get one of those certificates. Well, well, when you when you get back over here, you'll sit out. You can sit up there with me, like some of the some of these guests do, and we'll we'll guide you through a little tiny bit of. Uh, <laughs> zippity doo da, and Al can get it on film. You better believe it. <laughs> yeah, and I would probably be just like a, an adult that's transformed into a little kid. I'd probably be so <laughs> giddy and just like... You're already giddy. What are you I talking know. about? I know, but you see, we, 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 never, we never talk about adults. We talk about kids of all ages. There you go. That's yeah. right. Because that's, when you walk in those gates, that's what you are. Exactly. I know. You are indeed. Well, Mr. Ragtime Robert, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. It's uh, Some of those stories were quite impressive. I mean, Judy, Newmar, <laughs> Liberace, oh my gosh. Yeah, I have some pretty yeah. fabulous memories in my head. Yeah. You should write them down into a book. Somebody suggested that the other day. I'll have to think about it. I, you, have, you have to have a good author that will be able to translate your memories into readable text. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I might know a couple authors, and I may even know somebody that could narrate it for you. <laughs> uh, you might. Uh, somebody by the name of Al. That could be him. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, as always, and uh, we we got to do this a little bit more often. I'd love to be updated on you know, all the stuff that you're doing. Well, maybe we can do it during the Halloween holidays. That I'll would be little, fantastic. I'll have a little more of the 60th birthday under my belt that we could I can share with you. So That would be great. That would be great. It's a date. All righty. I'll, I'll make you a special version of the Haunted Mansion. Oh, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and hopefully we'll see you real soon. I hope so, too. See, see you real soon. Thanks, everybody. Take, Rob. Thank Take care. Thank you. Well, that's episode 112 wrapped up in a ragtime piano tune to tap your feet to and get happy. Hey, if you have any interesting Disney stories, we want to hear about them. You can send those to us at talespodcast.cox.net. And have you checked out our sponsor, Randy Crane, from Mouse Vacations? Uh-huh. You really should, especially if you're thinking about taking a vacation. Now, Randy's a great guy and loves Disney as much as we do. If you're looking for an honest travel agent who can get you the best deals on just about any vacation, give Randy a shout. You can find Randy at www.randyc-mouseearvacations.com. And don't forget to check out, oh heck, subscribe to our YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash talespodcast. We post all kinds of fun videos there and you're not going to want to miss out. You know why? Because if you do, Ragtime Robert won't play for you. You can hear our show on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to all your favorite shows directly from your smart devices. On demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Why not? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com or in your app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. You can also catch the latest episodes of our favorite shows on Stitcher. Podcasts like Take Him With You, Stories of the Magic, Under the Dome Radio, and many, many more. And be sure to follow us on Twitter for any cool updates or announcements. You can find us at Tales Podcast. 
And did you know that we have a Facebook page? What? We do? We sure do. <laughs> Just go to Facebook and search for Tales from the Mouse House podcast. And be sure to like us while you're there, please. And if you'd like to submit a review of a Disney movie, or maybe an attraction or restaurant, or maybe something about the 60th anniversary, we want to hear them. And please, how about hopping over to iTunes and leave some feedback and ratings for the show. Your positive feedback and ratings, five stars, would help push the show up in the ratings. So if you like the podcast, why not tell everyone so they can like it too? That would help everyone find the show better. As always, if you'd like to send us a comment or just say, Hiya, pal! You can send us an email to talespodcast at cox.net, leave us voicemail on the hotline at 304-TALES23, send us a tweet or message on Facebook, or just think happy thoughts our way. This podcast is copyright 2015 by Historic Taylor Audio Productions. All Disneyland music and related materials remain the property and copyright of the Disney Company. Thanks for tuning in and welcoming us into your homes. And remember, make, make it a, a Mickey, Mickey Day. day. Uh-huh.